Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities. Because they know where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in as we get ready for the Bears' second game of the season, week two. Bears and Giants at Soldier Field. Nope. This is where, Adam, I feel like the, the season starts to fly by. Thursday night's already here. Week two already starts tonight. We got Browns, Bengals. Uh, it starts to fly by. We're having fun, though. Well, hang on now. It's just week two. I know, I know, but it, it's already week two. As <laughs> 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 I repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we do get in our... We're still talking about the Lions, in a sense, with some of these coaches, and here they are opening up week two in Ohio. Well, see, now, don't push buttons with me. I'm, I'm, I'm still angry that we didn't get the All-22 until this morning. You want to talk about screwing up my week? Why are we still talking about the Lions? Couldn't even watch the tape until this morning. See what I mean? We're on to week two. Doesn't Game Pass know this? Come on, Game Pass. Does not. Get your crap robots. together. <laughs> My Lord. Crap. Welcome in. This whole thing has ruined my week, I'm telling you. Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You could read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Got a couple columns. I've got one on uh, A-Rob. I thought things went well yesterday. I thought, uh, man, the Bears are lucky to have Matt Nagy. That's kind of how I felt with that whole thing. Uh, it's it's good when you have a head coach that's in lockstep with the general manager and with the player in times like this. It's Are good you to have a, saying or suggesting that John Fox would flub this up? I couldn't help but think in the middle of that press conference yesterday, what the hell John Fox would have been saying during that, trying to talk his way through a somewhat tricky situation, right? I yeah, mean, call it murky if you want, yeah. Uh, I think my feet are very ticklish. Yeah, I I don't know that would have been handled the same way, but coach, what does it have to do with my contract negotiations? <laughs> well, I'm not an office coordinator, I'm not a defense coordinator, I'm not a special teams coordinator, but I coordinate all three. Anyway, uh there's a column up on the A Rob situation and then up this morning too, the a little bit of a breakdown of how the Bears use Mitch under center a lot more on Sunday. 
against the Lions. Uh, and, of course, you can read John Z over on The Athletic, where you could be listening to this app right now on The Athletic app. What a great app. You can check that out, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. And uh, it's been a busy week. I got an eye on the the White Sox are trying to clinch a playoff spot right now. Well, they're good, right? They are. My actually. understanding, sources tell me that they may be the best baseball team going right now. Um, you have second bad sources. Best? You have bad sources because the Los Angeles Dodgers still exist. But yeah, maybe second best. Maybe second best. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's a busy day. It's a busy day, but we're gonna get through it. And we got a, uh, a, a course a Giants breakdown coming up. Uh, Dan Duggan from the Athletic, he covers the Giants, will join us here in a little bit. But we figured we'd start today with our three big questions for Bears Giants. You came up with the questions this week, so why don't you yeah. why don't you start this thing I, off? I think we're going to alternate them this year. For, for now, you're a busy man this morning. I was the one Thank texting you about the, the breakdown here. Okay, why waste time? Number one, Adam, how does this Allen Robinson stuff play it on the field? Is it really not a distraction for the Bears? I don't think... It well, I don't think it will be this week. Does that make? Is that a cop out? Because they're playing the Giants. Um, no, I just think the fire was put out a little bit. I do wonder though if it kind of reset the timeline, maybe set a new soft deadline. I still don't. You still get the feeling that they want to get this thing done. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So if another week passes, like are we, when I say that, I'm thinking, all right, well, is Saturday another soft deadline before they play another game in week two? Because I, I just can't get out of my head how Allen Robinson tore his ACL the last time he went into a contract year, and it was in week one. So I don't think he wants to keep playing games uh, without a new deal, and I, I think the Bears want to lock him up. So I guess I, I don't... I don't think it will be this week if it's not done, but I, it still could be something that's growing. And I do wonder, you know, I, Alan Robinson admitted yesterday that he didn't think he played, you know, I don't think he played poorly, but did, I, I thought in the first half there was a couple plays that still could have been made that were left out there on the field. And, of course, he came back and had that amazing catch in the second half. It's not like I'm criticizing the guy or anything, but I, I can't help but wonder if the the contract thing is in his head a little bit. So in week one, eight different receivers caught the ball. Uh, I think that's going to be a trend going forward. I, I don't think they're this offense that's fully reliant on Allen Robinson to be this superhero every week. Not not with Jimmy Graham, not with Darnell Mooney, not with Cole Komet possibly taking that next step You know, as the weeks get going here. It's just built differently. The run game is built differently. So I don't know if you're going to keep seeing those 10, 12 target games for Allen Robinson. And maybe this thing really becomes interesting when he has that first two-catch game. And it's Tariq Cohen, who, by the way, needs his own contract. Like, he has the eight-touch, you know, 80-yard game for a a couple scores. So there's a lot of things involved in here. Um, I don't think it's going to to use the word distraction, to, to, to be a negative out there. But it is going to be interesting to watch, especially as these touches get spread across the field. Yeah, I don't think this whole thing happens this week if it, if Robinson didn't want to get something done. So, but it, it, I guess my question, I you know what? I, I've revised my answer. My answer is maybe. 
maybe maybe it is something that actually impacts how he's playing a little. I don't think it'll be a disaster. I, I just, I, I, it's it's something that's on his mind, very obviously. Here's the segue to the next question. I, I would be just very surprised if Trubisky, knowing his own murky status with the team, starts forcing balls to him because that's a recipe for his own disaster. He may want to help A-Rob a- out, but he's not going to help himself out by doing that. So question number two for you, Adam. What can Mitch Trubisky do for an encore? Can he find consistency against another bad team this Sunday? Well, that's going to be the key. Um, in some ways, it's. I felt weird writing what I wrote today because as I'm writing about how Matt Nagy and the other coaches too, the new coaches that are there, sort of adapted this offense to fit Mitch Trubisky's strengths a little bit better, more under center, more play action. It's funny because when he actually took off on Sunday, he was just rolling in shotgun and and launching the ball around the field. So it it almost seemed like the results didn't, at least in a small sample size on Sunday, the results almost didn't reflect why they made the changes they did to help him. Um, But I think that that had more to do with just a sort of a lack of execution in certain key third down situations. Uh, when when you look at the overall body of work with Mitch Trubisky over three plus seasons now, you do see why they made those changes, and I think they will help him. I think uh, establishing the run, getting those you know more play action involved, those are all things that are going to help Mitch. Now, there's a couple things about this Giants defense as I was watching them today too. You know, they're, they're the front is okay. They they do have Leonard Williams up there. They they were pretty good at stopping the run last year, and and so I still think that that could be a strength for them and maybe a thing that is tough on the Bears a little bit at, at times uh, on Sunday. However, the back end with their secondary, uh, their second round pick is hurt. Uh, of course, they they lost last year's first round pick. DeAndre Baker to all that offseason stuff. So they're a little light on the secondary. I think this I think this sets up as a matchup that Mitch can show more consistency. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and throw for 400 yards, but I, I don't think he'll have a bad game Sunday. Yeah, I see it similar as at least my expectations are similar to what I had for this Lions game. He should be productive. He should be methodical. He should have an efficient day. Now that wasn't there against the Lions for, for whatever reason. First game, whatever, you know, no fans in the stands. Like, it just felt different. Everybody said it was weird. Every Bears player or coach used the word weird to describe it. So maybe that was part of the the problem for Trubisky. But I do think it's a favorable matchup. Just just, just one point on the play-action stuff that everybody's talking about, and I know you've brought it up a, a, f- a few times with the coaches this week. To me, the Bears are just better built to be a play-action team. It's the personnel changes. It's yeah. having tight ends two of them like two good ones maybe three of them if you count Demetrius Harris like three good tight ends plus a speedster who creates separation almost instantly and Darnell Mooney like you look at his first NFL catch that was on play action over the middle where everybody's bailing and and, and it just you could see the instant separation so I think schematically they're built to be a better play action team this year okay moving on can the Bears defense Stop Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Let's not forget 
what Adrian Peterson was able to do last week. So we're kind of looking at you, Danny Trevathan, to be better this week. Well, the Steelers stopped him. Uh, the Steelers' defense, though, I hate to say it might be better than the Bears' defense. I mean, we'll have to see. It's just one week sample size. But they got a pretty good defense, and uh, they did the job. You know, I think they. I think the Bears' defense will. But I've already voiced my concerns this week. I wrote about this, and I think though they they have to get. Uh, you bring up Danny Trevathan's name. They have to get better play from him. I don't know. I I guess on some level, the not playing. These guys got no live action in the preseason, and I'm talking about in practice too. Now. A lot of those guys didn't get live action last year either going into the regular season because Nagy sat them during the, the preseason anyway. But at times, they just, I don't know, they didn't... The, I guess the question is, were they just not ready because of that? Or in the case of Danny Trevathan, is this going to be a theme going forward? Nobody seems to be denying uh, at House Hall that Danny Trevathan didn't play well. Like, I've noticed that. Chuck Pagano avoided all questions today about Danny Trevathan just saying, oh, well, the whole defense needs to be better. That's usually a coach sort of admitting that the guy didn't play that well. Well, it was alarming. This is a guy who who has built his career on his speed and his ability in coverage. Seeing him trailing in coverage that much against the Lions, that's a problem. So, like, when you talk about stopping Saquon Barkley, yeah, I, I think the Bears will be able to hold their own. In the run game, maybe not as good as as the Steelers did, because you know Adrian Peterson did you know gash him on a couple of runs. Like I feel like Barkley can do that, and then you got to really need some good tackling from your secondary. It's what the Giants are going to do when they use Barkley as a pass catcher. Look what he did as a pass catcher in Week One. He he was still Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Can Danny Trevathan? Can Roquan Smith keep up with him? Or do you have to sub in Deion Bush and add an extra uh, guy in the secondary? Which is what they did at times. And, you know, they had that package on Sunday where Deion Bush came in the game. And so you could see more of that. It's certainly a possibility. Uh, those are our three big questions for the week. We got a lot more coming up on the Giants as Dan Duggan will join us. But first, we got to take a quick timeout. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. 
All right, well, keeping it going with our Giants preview, we bring in Dan Duggan, who covers the Giants for The Athletic. Fresh off a Zoom call with Saquon Barkley, we hear. Yeah, and usually, as you guys know, these Zoom calls aren't too interesting, but uh, Saquon's was because he sort of found himself in an unfamiliar position where he's actually getting criticized. Uh, Not something that's happened too often in his career, but uh, you know, former Giants, great Tiki Barber, really – called out Saquon for his uh, sort of shortcomings in pass protection, uh, certainly in the opener against the Steelers, but it's really been sort of the one weakness in Saquon's game, you know, throughout his, you know, pretty brilliant start to his career. And, and yeah, it was interesting to see Saquon, who's usually very uh, media friendly and certainly like he's, you know, you see him on a commercial, you know, every time there's a break in the action, it feels like nowadays. Uh, but he was a little defensive and clearly didn't take too kindly to, uh, to getting called out. Uh, you know, he said the line that a lot of athletes say, and you never really believe that he doesn't care what anybody uh, outside the building says. And the way he reacted makes it even harder to believe that. I think it really kind of probably did bother him. So I guess that can kind of go one of two ways for in terms of on the field. I think he is going to be probably pretty motivated, and I'm sure will be. I uh, would love to have a you know 150 yard game and three touchdowns. So you can kind of say you know take that tiki. Um, so we'll see if if that um, you know does translate to the field on Sunday. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, obviously the the Bears, they have probably one of the best defenses in this league. I don't know if they're as good as as Pittsburgh, but you look at the numbers from Saquon, like not good rushing stats whatsoever. Better as a pass catcher. We know he brings that to the field. But, like, what are your expectations for him looking at this Bears defense? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I no disrespect to whatever you want to say to the Bears defense. I don't know how you could have a better defense than what Pittsburgh put on the field on Monday night. I mean, they just – they're loaded. I mean, they have all pros at every level of that defense, and they you know, clearly came out and said, we're not going to let Saquon beat us. And, I mean, they took that you know, to the nth degree because, I mean, he couldn't get anything going. He did have the one nice play there uh, where he caught a screen and got in the open field, which is, you know, what he's most dangerous with. But as far as trying to get him, you know, rolling – uh, in the run game, it was you know completely ineffective. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the game last year in Chicago. I know they didn't score a lot of points. I don't feel like he had a very good game. I really can't remember off the top of my head. And and then even two years ago, I think he had, might have had a better game when, when they beat him in overtime. But but nonetheless, I think it's it's going to be uh, you know a tough matchup. And it's not about Saquon. It's really about the offensive line. Uh, the Giants have three new stars on the offensive line. You're talking about uh, a rookie left tackle, Andrew Thomas, who he actually probably held up the best uh, out of their offensive linemen, in which was otherwise a really rough game. But Nick Gates made his first career start at center. Looked like a guy making his first career start at center. Uh, and then Cam Fleming has really been a journeyman, but they forced to start him at right tackle when Nate Solder opted out. And, and it looked like an offensive line that had been thrown together and had a handful of padded practices and, you know, everything we've talked about all offseason. So, um, you know, I think the Chicago defense, you know, poses another challenge. I would I would go on the limb and say Saquon will probably have more than uh, 15 carries with six yards. That's <laughs> I feel confident saying that. Uh, but might not be the, the opponent for him to have that 150-yard breakout that I alluded to him certainly wanting to have after the sort of the criticism he's faced. So one of the more interesting pairings in the offseason across the league, you got this young quarterback in Daniel Jones, uh, sort of a mixed bag in the in his rookie year, with Jason Garrett, who's I guess not really known for being innovative. Uh, of course, he hasn't really called plays since 2012 either. How how has that been going so far? How have I guess how has Jason Garrett been received in New York, and what are the early returns on Daniel Jones in his second year? 
Well, it's, it's funny because when there was a lot of speculation that Jason Garrett could be in the running to be the head coach, you know, late last season into early offseason, every Giants fan was like, no, 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 you know, we don't want him. As soon as Joe Judge is hired and he became the candidate for offensive coordinator, the, the tone totally shifted. They were very excited about getting him in here, which is understandable. I mean, he's definitely proven, um, you know, to be a good offensive coordinator, a good play caller. Granted, it's been a while, but I mean, Dallas, even on his watch, you know, annually had good offenses. And I think also you're talking about a guy who was, you know, the head coach of arguably the most scrutinized franchise in the league for a decade. And so that's just a valuable resource for judge beyond X's and O's. Um, and he, and he does have a pretty good track record in developing young quarterbacks, you know, obviously Tony Romo, Dak Prescott. So I think a lot of that made sense. Um, it looks like a good marriage on paper. I mean, we're one week into things. So, you know, sort of who knows. Uh, but I think he and Daniel Jones are a pretty good match. I think Daniel Jones, when you consider everything I said in that first answer about how the run game was completely ineffective, the way he played against that Pittsburgh defense, I was impressed. I mean, I know uh, everyone kind of harps on the, the really bad interception, you know, way down deep in the red zone. That was the 19th play of a drive where he had made about 15 tremendous plays just to get him into that position, whether it's a, you know, a, a long third down completion when he's backed up under his, you know, own goalpost, a couple scrambles to keep plays alive, a fourth down where he just kept backing up, backing up and finally found Saquon as like the total last option. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think he is someone who has, you know, impressed me more than I think a lot of the critics, I think a lot of people just haven't got over the fact that they didn't think he should have been the sixth pick. But I think if you really uh, objectively look at how he plays, I mean, granted the turnovers uh, are a major bugaboo and, and he still hasn't fixed that because he had two interceptions the other night. But I think by and large, um, you know, he's performed really well. And I, I would think that he and Garrett should be a pretty good pairing. I'm glad you brought up his his draft selection and the surprise that's come with it because here in Chicago, I mean, Adam and I could tell you, we don't know if anybody's ever gotten over that with Trubisky, especially with the guys that have come after him. I know it's not the same right now for, for, for Daniel Jones, but I, I'm just curious, just the, like, how would you encapsulate the conversation about him? Like you sound, you sound very fair about him, but like, what's the fan base like? What's the the talking heads in the radio stations like? What's what's your what are others in the media like? Is it like how is the scrutiny of of a Daniel Jones in, in New York? Well, I think the thing that he might have working in his favor is you know the next two quarterbacks taken weren't you know like maybe the greatest quarterback ever and and, and another Pro Bowler. I mean the guys after him with Dwayne Haskins who hasn't lit the world on fire, and then you know, I guess Drew Locke was the next quarterback there wasn't that you know one-two punch where you passed on this guy to take him uh but i do think there was just a lot of shock at the time that he was taken at six and listen dave gettleman you know, deservedly so in a lot of respects has made himself sort of an easy target um so i think everyone just jumped on i can't believe you know dave gettleman you know what a fool he took daniel jones at six and i think it took jones a long time to sort of uh you know get away from that but i think in terms of yes with the giants fans i think they're pretty much unilaterally behind him because i mean again you look at the the record, it hasn't been great. It has led to wins, but I mean, it's, it's been a pretty bad roster. Uh, I think he's shown a lot that if that's your quarterback as a fan, you're going to like him. I think the sort of overall narrative hasn't necessarily caught up with that. I think a lot of national media, a lot of talking heads, you know, still kind of take shots at him, still, you know, harp on the fumbles, let's say, from his rookie season, but don't really highlight, you know, many of the positives where uh, throwing the ball, he had a really good rookie year. It was really just the fumbles was the, the, the main uh, sort of red mark there, but um, you know, I mean, listen, it, we know how this thing works and how it works for quarterbacks. He's going to have to win games. So he can have, you know, gritty performance against the Steelers all he wants. If they keep losing, the narrative's never going to turn and eventually it'll get to go the other way where, you know, even the Giants fans will, will kind of turn against him. But I think, um, you know, for where he's at in his career, 13 starts, 
Uh, I think he's exceeded a lot of expectations in terms of people thinking that, you know, it was a mistake to take him at number six. It's, you know, Jerry's still out, but I don't think it was like this, you know, completely baseless uh, selection based on what we've seen so far in his career. All right. Well, we do this every week. We're asking you to make a pick. Have you, uh, have you decided on this game yet? Bears, Giants, Sunday, Soldier Field. Yeah, you guys got so many people. I, uh, another one of your colleagues, Kevin Fishbane, already uh, drew a uh, prediction out of me in print. So I got I actually, I went with the Giants, twenty five to nineteen. It's funny that nineteen in my mind because it was that ugly game. I think they lost nineteen to fourteen in Chicago last year. I just feel like it'll probably be a real ugly game. You know, I don't think this is going to be a an offensive masterpiece. And you know, I, I think the Bears are favored by was a touchdown, which so this is kind of an upset pick. But I think it's so early in the year. You know, we don't really know what teams are going to be. Um, and I, I honestly, I just kind of believe that the Giants are going to find a way to, to steal a game like this here or there. Because if I look at their schedule, if I don't pick them to win this one, then they got San Francisco, then they got at the Rams, then they got at Dallas. I don't think they're going to start 0 and 5. So they, they got to win one of these. And, and so to me, I think, you know, obviously Chicago finished that game nicely, but there's certainly still questions about uh, their offense with Trubisky. So I think maybe if there's a game they can steal early, I think this is the one. And, uh, but I don't have a, a ton of confidence in that pick. I'll admit that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, if that would happen, then uh, we, we would have an interesting week here in Chicago next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Dan, for jumping. I sh- you guys should follow him on Twitter for the Giants side of things this week. Uh, our listeners, follow him on Twitter at DDuggan. That's spelled D-U-G-G-A-N 21 on Twitter. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, picks are up next, the rest of the games. But first, we've got to take a quick timeout. Well, Johns, we're going to experience a first this weekend. No fans at a Bears game at Soldier Field. But it's always Miller time in Chicago. The Bears and Miller Lite are two iconic parts of Chicago and go together naturally. So even if there are no fans at Soldier Field, it's still Miller time. Adam, what do you call a group of friends wearing orange and blue costumes or just clothing? like that, who get together week after week, no matter how cold it gets, who hug and toast with Miller Lite after every great play and in between endless courses of the Bears. I call them our podcast listeners. Oh, yes, yes, Hogan John's listeners. You can also call it Miller Time in Chicago. I was just invited to some Miller Time in Chicago at a buddy's house in the neighborhood. He's going to put out the tent. He's going to put the TV outside on Sunday, but... I get to go to Soldier Field. I was going to say. lucky. Yes. So. Yeah, I thought you were going to blow off the game for a second. I might. I might. I might thought about it, but I'll be at Soldier Field with you. Okay. Well, no matter where you are watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Okay, Johns. It's that time. We will make our picks for week two. However, before we do that, I needed to point out. Have you seen this Giants coaching staff? (laughs) I love some of these names. It's a hilarious coaching staff. So first of all, the one everyone probably knows at this point. I mean, Joe Judge is the head coach. Um, Special teams coordinator came over from uh, New England. He came over and tried to do some very Bill Belichick-y type stuff. He wouldn't name any players' names for the first three months. (sighs) Like in his interviews, he wouldn't talk about any specific players. Oh, my God. Uh, Okay, but the the guy I was going to mention, Jason Garrett, of course. uh, They call him on the Bill Simmons podcast, The Clapper. 
because he anytime they would anytime the camera would go to Jason Garrett, he would just be clapping. They could have just thrown an interception, you know, or lost the game, and he'd be there clapping. So they called him the clapper. Uh, Jason Garrett, who hasn't called plays since 2012, is uh, the new offensive coordinator. But the list gets even better. Do you know who the Giants offensive line coach is? I do not. You're going to make me pull this up. You don't need to look. I'll tell you. It is a former Bear, Mark Colombo. Ooh, I think I did know this. Yeah. Well, he's been he's been an offensive line coach in the league. Um, do you know who their outside linebackers slash senior assistant is? I do, but please tell everyone. My guy, Brett Bielema, former head coach at Wisconsin and Arkansas. And who's been? Uh, he was over with the Patriots the last few years, and so he came over with Joe Judge, senior offensive assistant Derek Dooley, who flamed out very quickly as Tennessee Volunteers head coach. Uh, a, I think that was a while ago now. I think that was like 2010 to 2012, and then resurfacing very quickly as tight ends coach. Who will ever forget him? The one-year head coach of the Cleveland Browns in 2019, Freddie Kitchens, is on this staff. How about that, by the way? <laughs> what a disaster that was. Not even to, like, offensive coordinator, just position coach. Wasn't he a running backs coach before that, too? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was in way over his head. I don't know what they were thinking, but they're the Browns, and they do Browns things. And he's probably much better suited as a tight ends coach for the New York Giants. Uh, anyway, I just had to get. I just as I'm going through my prep for the week, I love love seeing some of those names. Had to bring them out. See, I, I thought you were going to run off the names as like Derek Dooley. These are all real names of like their coaches, right? Derek yeah. Dooley, Bobby Blick, Burton Burns, Tyke Colbert. Like it just seems to you know the alliteration there. Oh, okay. About to you. That's where I thought you were going when you, as you type that in. No, no, I was just uh, commenting on just the Brett random. Brett Bielema would fit in there as well. Yeah, Brett Bielema, there you go. There you go. All right, uh, do need to make our picks for the week, and uh, I guess we'll start with this. Bold predictions. You go first. Mitch Trubisky. I, I, I want to get bold. Like I, I have to get bold bolder with this prediction because I don't think the Giants are very good. What? So I'm going to say 340 yards passing, somewhere in that range, 325, 340 yards passing. Wow. And three touchdowns this game for Mitch Trubisky. A passer rating well over 100. And that's the facts. That's that's 100% truth. Okay. For me, I didn't know that we would ever get to the point that this is an acceptable bold prediction, but I feel like it is. This should be good. Khalil Mack two sacks. That shouldn't be bold, but with what we've seen from the guy since you know, essentially the last calendar year, I think it is. It is bold. Yeah. I, I don't uh I guess I don't know for sure if Robert Quinn's gonna play I just feel like overall the defensive front's going to play a little bit better. That should free things up. I was watching some of the tape of the Giants game against the Steelers. I mean, Evan Ingram looked terrible blocking on the end. 
uh, as a tight end. So if he's ever left, I don't know why they'd ever leave him one-on-one. Um, but it is the clapper, uh, Jason Garrett, out there. So you never know. Uh, I, I just I, I think Cleo Mack gets home twice. I think your bold prediction just kind of puts the whole conversation about him right now within context. You need him. Like, I, I get that he's pressuring the quarterback. I get that when you rewatch the film, he looks good. I get you, you see missed blocks, but he's still paid to put the quarterback on his back. He needs to do that more. And I thought Matt Nagy answered a question like that pretty well yesterday. Because you do. You go back and look at that tape, and he was effective. But I think even I think even at this point, Nagy's like, all right, that's not what we're paying you for, though. Like, you need to yeah. get home. Be better than effective. Yeah. All right. Uh, the uh, line on this game, Bears five and a half. They are favorites. They should be favorites. Five and a half, though. Can the Bears win by a full touchdown? That is the question. You go first. Yes. Although, let me put it this way. I think it'll be a comfortable victory. I don't think it'll be a blowout, if that makes sense. By any means. Like, I... It, it it might still be in doubt in the fourth quarter, but the Bears end up winning twenty seven to and that's probably too many points actually. Twenty four seventeen, Bears. Okay, okay. So let me do what I did last week to you and read you what I sent the fish man, Kevin Fishbane, for our predictions at the Athletic. No. So Okay, Mike, you could leave anytime you want. Bears 27, Giants 13. So it's a 14-point victory for the Bears. Okay. I'm not I'm not sure, this is me reading. I'm not sure what a win over the struggling Giants will say about the Bears, but it should be an easy one. If the defense stops running back Saquon Barkley, then second-year quarterback Daniel Jones is due for a beating on the lakefront. The Bears' defense should play better after a rusty showing in the opener. If they don't, the Bears have a serious problem on their hands. An efficient, methodical performance for Mitch Trubisky is expected. Methodical? Methodical. It is expected. I, just don't, I don't think the Giants are very good. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I think they have some pieces. You know, here's, here's one thing we should bring up. Two of their offseason acquisitions... Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. So, Wait, Packers? Yes, if those names sound familiar, they came over from Green Bay. Uh, you know, basically replacing one guy with another, but they know the Bears. They know uh, they know Mitch Trubisky, and especially in Blake Martinez's case, like he's a pretty good player. He, he you know, he he he'll he'll he will rack up those tackles. So. And Jabril, Jabril Peppers, too, at safety. I mean, he does a lot of different things. Actually, you need to be careful of him as a punt returner, too, because he's uh, he's always been dangerous in that regard. I don't know. There's names on here. It's not an overwhelmingly great team. Daniel Jones. I mean, I guess in New York, they're probably saying the same thing about Mitch Trubisky as we're saying about Daniel Jones. So that's the thing. But, yeah. So we both have the Bears winning. You have them by more than 14. That's a 14. that's a sizable victory, I guess. Take it to the window. Do your research. Okay. It's just the two of us this week doing picks. 
So uh, hold on to your butts because <laughs> you don't have Joe Romano here. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> uh, noon Central on Fox, Vikings at the Colts. I think I saw a tweet this week. Then the Vikings have never won a road game at the Colts, like in Baltimore or Indy. Really? It's an odd one because they both play indoors. Like you wouldn't think I don't know, noise or anything would be factor. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, they're built. Okay, whatever. Make your pick. <laughs> the Vikings look pretty bad defensively. I mean, I predicted a slow start for them defensively, but I didn't think they gave up 40-plus points in week one to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Phillip Rivers, though, can he still throw a football? Because there were times where he looked like there's just nothing left in that arm last week in Jacksonville. I think the Colts are a better team. I guess I'm going to keep riding on that. I I I was really high on the Colts coming in this season. I'm going to every week there's that one game that you just don't see coming. I'm going to say that that was Colts Jaguars in week 1. Indy comes back, plays much better. The Vikings have too many holes right now uh defensively and not enough firepower on offense. So I, I'm going to say the Colts win barely cover that three though. I think it'll be close. I, I yeah, I'm gonna take the Colts. Mm. See the Colts are a team I've struggled with just are are they really that good? Are, are have they've just been good at keeping things tight? Do are they just a likable team in the media? Is like you said, is Philip Rivers is, is he is his father time tackled him now? Like <laughs> is he done? Um I'm gonna take the Vikings in this one, winning outright. Um I just feel like my guy, Kirk Cousins, will be better. It's, it's as simple as that. I just think they're uh, it's a better roster, better team. Vikings in this one. Winning outright. Wow, there's your upset of the week. Gotta love preseason football. Our guy, Chase Daniel, and the Detroit Lions. You almost forget that he's on the Lions. I saw him on the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, they, he was present. They're in Green Bay where the Packers are a six-point favorite, also noon on Fox. Quirky television thing. Where my sister lives on the uh, western side of Wisconsin, because of the way these games line up, they don't get the Packer game, but they will have the Bears game. My brother-in-law, not happy about that. He's a Packer fan. My sister, she's just fine with it. Um, because they're technically in Vikings territory over there on that side of the state. So because the Vikings and Packers play at the same time on Fox, they're getting the Bears game on CBS. Anyway, Packers, they sure look good in week one. I'm still pretty... Remember, I called that game last week. I had the Packers winning outright. I think eventually things will tail off for Green Bay. But the Lions... How the hell do they regroup after what just happened? And if they have that many hamstring injuries with their cornerbacks, if Mitch Trubisky can light them up in the fourth quarter, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do the entire game? So Packers by more than six for sure. My thought, exactly. If Trubisky can do that to your secondary when it's all banged up, then Aaron Rodgers is going to torch you. (laughs) It's going to be a long day. For Lions fans again, I would even turn it on if I'm that. <laughs> Give me Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Give me Aaron Rodgers in a route. 
Uh, we forgot to do this last week, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. Lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Ravens, Texans. 325 Central on CBS. So this will be the second game of CBS's doubleheader this week after you get the Bears. Ravens, boy, they look good in week one. They're a really good football yeah. team. The Texans, they did not. Eww. So the line is a full touchdown. Texans, seven-point home dogs. I think I still like the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. You know what they say? Like once you're on film, you know they'll find answers for you. Like, like let's see how you are once they have a full season on film to adjust to you. I, I don't think it's going to be the, that case with the Ravens anytime soon. Like Lamar Jackson is getting significantly better as a passer, mm-hmm. and that's going to show up on the field against Houston. Who is? You're right, Adam. I think they're in trouble. Just it's going to be a, t- a tough year down there in Houston. So give me the Ravens covering that set. Yeah, I just feel like the Texans have regressed everywhere except at quarterback. And Deshaun Watson just can't do it all. I, I, I mean, I honestly sort of feel bad for him there. It, it's funny. They had all these years where they had a good team and they didn't have the quarterback. And then they got the quarterback and the rest of the team has gone downhill. Uh, and that was starting before they even paid him. So I don't... It's just a weird situation in Houston. Uh, I just think the Ravens are so good. Maybe this corrects itself a little bit in the Texans cover, but I'll be shocked if, if the Ravens lose this game. I, I'm going to take the Ravens to, to win and cover. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? Sunday night. This is a good Sunday night game. Get Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. 720 Central on NBC, the New England Patriots. At Seattle Seahawks, the Seahawks are four-point home favorites. So Bill Belichick had one of those quotes where he he just heaps tons and tons of praise on a guy. Like usually that's just Bill Belichick speak for talking up opposing yeah. players. But this time when he when he did it with Russell Wilson, it's a hundred percent fact. Like this guy's a an MVP candidate every year. I don't know why he doesn't get the the accolades like that or or just the attention. Maybe it's playing in Seattle which has been a pretty good team for an extended bit here, but just a good team. Um, um, I, I'm wondering if there's, like, if the Seahawks pose different challenges for, for Cam Newton. If, if you watch that game, like, a lot of running from Cam Newton, some easy throws. Uh, maybe the Seahawks attack him differently. Give me the Seahawks in, in this one, because I think that's going to happen. That's going to play out a little bit in terms of difficulty for Cam Newton. Yeah, the, the, the teams I kind of had, taking off as real contenders this year. In the AFC, it was the Colts, so that didn't go well week one. But on the other side, the Seahawks, that went really well. Like They look really good, and I think they are a good team. I think Russell Wilson was my MVP pick this year. He certainly looked like it in week one. Uh, probably had the best week of any quarterback in football. And I get Bill Bell. Look, we're this is where we, I feel like we really learn about Bill. Not that we need to learn more about Bill Belichick. That, that sounded really stupid. Bill Belichick's obviously probably the best coach ever. But without Tom Brady, like these are the games where I'm very interested to see if he can still coach his way into tough victories, like going on the road into Seattle because he doesn't have the same team. And. Cam Newton looked fine last week. He looked healthy, which is a very good sign. I think this is going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. I just think the Seahawks are better. I think they're a much better team. I think it's tight, 
But I think ultimately Seahawks pull away and win, and I think they cover. So I got this new quarterback tracker I'm going to do every week, and it kind of compares Trubisky, Cam Newton, Tom Brady. I saw that. All all the guys that were part of the discussions or negotiations, whatever, the, the hoopla. The hoopla. The hoopla. The hoopla before this season. So I'm interested to see what the update looks like with Trubisky facing the Giants, who I think they're going to beat, and Cam in Seattle. Well, Cam's facing a much tougher opponent, but yeah, I get what you're, what you're saying. How do you think? How do you think Mitch would do if he went to Seattle? Remember that Jimmy Clausen game in Seattle? <sighs> no. Good. Good. Forgot that Good. one. Like that's a game you talk about like all twenty two. Like, oh I'm not gonna watch this one. <laughs> I feel like the coaching staff that's how they treated that. Like, yeah, we're just gonna throw this one out. <laughs> this game didn't, didn't count. I would take my family out to lunch. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be back on the grass. Seven fifteen, Monday night football on ESPN. Saints Raiders. The Raiders. What'd you think of the new Monday Night Crew? Did you go to bed? Did you go to bed? You went to bed, didn't you? you I went, you to, went bed. to bed. I'm trying to, because I was in and out of the broadcast because there was two of them last mm-hmm. Monday or well know, a few days ago. Uh, Fowler and Herb Street did the first game. They're great. Can we just make yeah. if they? Yes. Here's the thing: it would take away from college football, and I'd be sad. But if they were just like the permanent Monday Night Crew for now on, they would end up being. One of those legendary Monday Night Crews that we talk about forever. Yeah, I, I think you saw some of that same sentiment on on social media too. Her, Herbstreit's just he's good. so good. Yeah, he's just so good. Um, Saints at the Raiders. I don't know if the Raiders are that good. I don't think so either. By the way, spread five and a half. Raiders are home dogs. So this would be Joe Romano's rule. You got to take the home dog on prime time. Yeah, and I and I think I might. But just because of the points, um, I, I think the Saints win this one. I know they got a, an injury with Michael Thomas. You know they have to prove they could move the ball without him. But I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, they are just like they're the team that looks good on paper and looks good on the field, like every single week. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Can't say the same thing about the Raiders. Give me the Saints winning, but the Raiders are going to cover. I'm going to go the other way and. I think I would pick the Raiders here if there were actually fans in a tent. Are there fans? They're not doing fans in Vegas. Not that it makes a difference. Uh, you know, if this was a real home game, opening up a brand new stadium, it looks like an awesome stadium. First game in Vegas, all these, you got the old Raider fans, the new Raider fans, new city, new stadium. I'd pick the Raiders. I feel like that goes out the window. The Saints are just good. They have the best roster in football. The Raiders barely beat the Bengals. Give me the Saints. I went all chalk here. I went. I, I took the favorites in every single one of these games, so I'll at least get one of them wrong. Hmm. Well, you're all 100% right. Or I'll be 100% right, which is probably never happened. In, Not going to happen. In six but years yes. of picking games on this podcast. I don't think I've ever had a <laughs> a day like that. I've had some really bad days. Oh, I think I've had some offers. Oh, sure. Oh, that's definitely happened. That'll probably happen this week. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? If the Bears 
happened to blow this one. Oof. Nick Foles, week three. Or maybe Trubisky plays well. Like the defensive g- concerns galore. Something to think about. I feel better about my bold prediction that he'll play all 16 games right now than I did a week ago when I made the prediction. At halftime Sunday, that's a different. that was a different story. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. I thought he might like lose patience and like had enough of it and throwing him in, but didn't happen. No. Didn't happen. I, I'll say this, though. It's on Mitch. Mitch needs to show more consistency and he you know, he's actually been a decent quarterback on third down at least he was in 2018 yeah. he, he was a decent quarterback he, on third down so my final thought on this game is like I'm less concerned about Trubisky against this Giants porous defense than I am about maybe this aging Bears defense especially at linebacker with truth and, and up front where you got guys in their 30s who need to get healthy like that's more concerning for me right now than what Trubisky should be able to do against a bad defense. Well, we'll see a if they get Robert Quinn back and b how effective he is. That could make a difference. Uh, you'd certainly hope it would, considering all the money they paid him and they did not have him in Week One. So, um, you know what though, all this attention on Danny Trevathan, I gotta say, Roquan Smith, I was so high on this guy. When they yeah. drafted him, and and we heard like Brian Urlacher's name being tossed around, the next great linebacker in Chicago Bears history, Roquan Smith, and he's yet to show that. Like, and I, I I wasn't necessarily thrilled with the way he played in Detroit. No, no, that's a good point because there wasn't wouldn't be this much scrutiny on how Danny Trevathan played if Roquan Smith is now your every down linebacker and he's put in those situations right like if the revol- if the roles were reversed if i could get the r's out of my mouth mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like that's what i mean like there's a lot of scrutiny in Trevathan but let's not forget Danny Danny Trevathan is into his 30s now Roquan Smith is supposed to be your game changing linebacker yeah he's got to take that step and we've yet to seen it so far all right uh well, we got to step out of here That's it for your Bears-Giants preview episode. We'll be back Sunday, post-game. We'll be back at Soldier Field doing a podcast, I think. We'll have to figure that out. I honestly don't know. We haven't talked about that yet. Either way, we're going to have a post-game episode for you. Sunday, after the Bears play the Giants. And if they don't win, it'll be a pretty entertaining episode. I'll tell you that. Reminder, even if they do win. Well, it'll be okay. (laughs) Then it'll just be an okay episode if they win. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, our voicemail line. Want to make sure you have this. Get to know it. You probably want to write it down. It's not as easy as, to memorize as it used to be. 872-221-0046. Take your voicemails pre-game, in-game, post-game, and bring those to you on uh, next Tuesday's episode. Uh, but we love getting your voicemails on game day, so that's the number. 872 Four, six. That's going to do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johns on The Athletic, The Athletic app, TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. Get 40% off. You should do that. Thanks to our guest, Dan Duggan, for jumping on from New York to give us the Giants perspective of things. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison, for doing a great job all week long. 
please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you on Sunday. See ya. You know, we're trying to expand his package. Has he struggled with expanding his package?